Acts chapter 25. Let's pray. Father, your word, we take it very seriously. We're here. We've separated ourselves from other activities to worship your holy name and to learn about you from your word. Lord, I pray you'd bless both of those activities. Spirit of God, lead now. Inform us. Change our minds. Change our hearts. Grow us up. We want to be more like Jesus. It's in his name that we ask these things. Amen. Now, when Festus was come, Festus, what do you, what, what's going on? Because, let's go back to chapter 24, verses 26 and 27, just to get a running start at this, okay? He hoped, that's to say, Felix hoped. Felix was that, he was a slave who became um, the governor, like like Pontius Pilate before him. He was the governor of that region. He had hoped also that money should have been given to him to Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the offer and communed with him. So he's on the take. Is he a good guy? He's a very bad guy. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So Felix is going to, back to Rome to answer for his cruelty, and he's trying to incur favor with the Jews so he leaves Paul bound, although Paul is innocent. Um, and that's a, 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 hor- a horrific miscarriage of justice, obviously. But he's trying to, again, incur favor with the, with the Jews. Does that work? It does not. He ends up being banished. and He would have been killed, except he has a brother who's high, placed up in government. So he's banished instead. And then uh, tradition says that he ended up committing suicide. Um, like Pilate did too. Interesting. Now, uh, when Festus was coming to the province, so he's the governor replacing Felix. Um, He was coming to the province. After three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. He's very industrious. He's only been there three days, but he's going to the the chief area, the chief city under his administration is Jerusalem. So he goes from Caesarea up to Jerusalem to find out what's going on. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him. So two years, Paul's in prison, and they just figured, ah, he's served his time. I mean, he didn't really do anything, so they just don't care anymore. Oh, they still care, because they're inspired by, they're motivated by Satan, and Satan never lets down. Uh, After two years, Satan still cares, okay? If you think, like, you're going to outlast him, like, forget that, okay? And he desired favor. That's to say, Festus desires favor... Uh, against him, he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. No, the Jews desired favor with Festus uh, against Paul, that they're going to send for him. So bring him to Jerusalem, we'll try him, and they're going to kill him in the way. Two years, and they're still all upset with him. They're still going to try to kill him. This is crazy. You, you, you think, you know, you give him a break, right? But Festus answered and said Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Why? Because he can't change the venue of the court because Paul is a Roman citizen. And you can't change that where he's tried without Paul's assent. Paul won't give him that assent. We'll see later on. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. Again, Festus is giving him the benefit of the doubt because nothing's been proved yet. By the way, it's a good thing. Remember that. We'll, we'll get back to that. When he had tarried among them more than 10 days, so here we have Festus in Jerusalem for more than 10 days. He went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. He hadn't heard his case yet. 
And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood about him and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. You think they'd give up. Because in Roman jurisprudence, like American jurisprudence, you're innocent until proven guilty. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a godly thing. I think that's based on biblical principles. And I, I want you all, as Christians, to practice it. What do you mean? Uh, if you are in a fond of a certain president, after the Mueller investigation, there was no indictments, you're like, if you like the president, you're like, wow, pfft, that proved exactly what I knew it was going to prove. And if you dislike the president, is yeah, well, they just didn't catch him. He's still guilty of something. Wait a second. Uh, I'm just using this for an illustration. I'm not either saying you should be or for or against the president. Uh, me, I'm a fan of the things he does that I think are biblical, and I'm against the things he does that I don't think are very biblical. But this has been my case against every, every single president we've had since I've... Listen, I go back to the uh, Eisenhower administration, okay? And every one has been plus and minuses, all right? And I look at the body of the work like you do, okay? So I don't... I, I hate to give my okay on anyone who's a man because they're going to do something at some point that's going to disappoint us. But having said that, innocent until proven guilty. I've heard reports uh, about uh, Billy Graham and some escapades that were very nefarious. And I've heard the same escapades leveled against Hillary Clinton. One of those I'm kind of a fan of, you can guess, and one of I'm less so. Can I just put it that way? But I chose to believe neither one of them well, yeah, it's probably true. No, wait, 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 wait. You, you're a Christian. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You believe the Bible, right? We don't go on hearsay. We don't go. I saw a YouTube video, so now I know it's that's the way. No, no, no. There's plenty of guilt out there, real guilt. Don't, don't listen to reports about somebody. I've had reports leveled against me all kinds of times throughout my life. Some of them were even true. But I'm asking you, I don't, somebody says something about you, I don't, I don't believe it. And the other thing too is I don't let it, I don't, no, people don't come to me and say, oh, you know about this brother, he did thus and so. And I always will say, well, what did you say to him when you heard it? What did you, I mean, if a brother sins against you, right, you go and you tell him his fault privately, you and him. Why are you bringing out this dirty laundry that I don't need to know about. It's called gossip. We, I, don't, I don't want it. I don't, I don't need it. And the other thing, too, is when I hear something, I don't, I, we, we don't believe it. We don't believe it unless there's credible evidence. Men are uh, 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 guilty. Uh, women are guilty, uh, innocent until proven guilty. Now, I was teaching. Uh, I got a new job, and I was doing the sexual harassment portion of an all-day training four days in a row. And, and in... in uh, sexual harassment, believe the victim. You are guilty until proven innocent. They will tell you that. It's not your, what you did. It's the intent. It wasn't your intent. It's the perception of the victim. That's totally the way it's not supposed to be. I'm, t I'm, t I'm training and telling people, you better have more when, you know, you're in front of the Maine Human Rights Commission. You better have more than just, well, you know, he said, she said. If that's your defense, you're in big trouble. I'm just telling you. Is it wrong? It's morally wrong. Believe the victim? Well, hasn't anyone ever read To Kill a Mockingbird? Or, you know, believe the victim. We had a situation just a few months ago where somebody allegedly did something when they were in high school, maybe, 
that was never really proven, and we had people, the whole nation, divided over that. And I have an, an idea that. I don't care if, if who appointed that ju- uh, Supreme Court justice. I have the same view I've always had. I don't care who the president is. People are innocent until proven guilty. We get that from the Bible. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. So when people are saying something against somebody you don't like anyway, don't keep passing it on. It's not a godly thing, okay? All that to say, don't do that. <laughs> We're going to see if there's any wickedness in them. They couldn't, they couldn't prove it. In, in verse 7, they had these grievous... Remember last time, he's a, he's a plague, is that against the law to be a plague? He's a, he's a grievous fellow with all kinds of, and they're just, just reports of nothing. And here they, they get on that same, that's all they got. Verse 8, well, he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar have I offended anything at all. He doesn't have to say that. They have to prove. But he's, you know, hey, I haven't, I haven't done anything. He's two years of his life. He's been in prison for doing nothing. Now, God has redeemed the time, no doubt. He's used uh, Paul to, to rest. He's been on the, uh, you know, for like over 10 years, he's been out in the mission field getting beat up and, and uh, thrown in prison and scourged and uh, stoned. And, stuff. and no, no, no doubt God's using this time to rest him up and to, you know, heal him up. And he's writing uh, epistles, much of the New Testament this time. So this is, you know, God's using it, but it's still a miscarriage of justice. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, he knows that the guy before him, Felix, was legendary in his cruelty. He's trying to incur favor with the Jews. So he said, wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged on these things before me? He has to ask Paul, and he knows he has to. And Paul said, I stand before Caesar's judgment where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done nothing wrong, as thou very well knowest. I like Paul. He's asserting, hey, you know better. No. The answer is no, I'm not. And so he appeals to Caesar. For if I be offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there is none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Again, I say, you have certain rights as an American. Don't let Satan call the agenda. I think we just kind of like assume that Satan's powerful and we can't do this and we can't say this and we can't believe this. We need to more than ever before during these perilous times to let people know who we are and where we stand. I, if you got like cowardice, if you got like that yellow streak and you pray it away, this, this is a time to be bold. This is time to be out there for Jesus Christ. We're in heaven, we're going to look back and say, I didn't use up this opportunity, I didn't use it. and will there, be, will there be grief over that? I think so. Will there ever be grief of, I said what I had to say to whom I had to say it when God called me to say I don't think there'll ever be grief for that. And we only have so many opportunities. We only have so many sunrises and sunsets. Use them all. 2019, it's the year to be out there for Jesus. Unabashed, unashamed, just let people know where you stand. And don't let Satan cow you and intimidate you. He's not the boss of your life. Uh, so Paul, because he's a citizen and because he has certain rights, he vocalizes them. Feel, feel free to assert your rights, okay? 
And Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. He can't do anything else. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And this is Agrippa II. He's the son of the one who had beheaded um, Paul, uh, James. He, he beheaded James. No, his, his grandfather would have beheaded John the Baptist. His great-grandfather was the one who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. Uh, he, he's got a legacy of cruelty, and uh, all his late greats are not great people. <laughs> just, just in case you're wondering. He's that. Bernice, remember uh, we ran into, um, what's his name last week? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of her, his wife's name. Drusilla. Drusilla and Bernice are uh, sisters, okay? And Drusilla's the prettiest one. Bernice is pretty too, but she's always been jealous of her sister. And uh, so she's with um, Agrippa, who's her half-brother. You say, go like this, go, ew. Isn't that good to get it out? It's kind of nasty, right? I'm just saying. And when they had been many days... There many days, Festus declared. So there's a new governor in town. So the, the, the king, Agrippa, who's kind of subservient to the, the governor. He's got his own kind of agenda, his own thing. He's appointed by Rome. He's an, Edome, an Edomean, an Edomite, right? He's not Jewish at all. But he's the king of the Jews in the sense that he's king over them, appointed by Rome. But the governor is where the real power is. But they kind of make nice and, and they try to tr- get along and things like this. So Agrippa and Bernice, they came in accessory at what? To salute Festus. Again, he's the, he's the new sheriff in town. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause among the kings, saying, There was a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, it is not the manner of the Romans to li- deliver any man to die before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. They're trying to get the Jews to act in a way that the Bible says you can't do that in, in Jewish. Uh, they have judges too. You can't just say, yeah, this guy killed somebody and then because the, word, the testimony of one person. It doesn't work that way in Jewish law. It doesn't work that way in Roman law. And the Jews are trying to get the, the, the Romans to disobey their own law and to disobey Jewish law as well. Interesting. We don't care. The ends justify the means. Hey, we really, really do care. I mean, we have to do things, uh, you know, in a godly way. So he, he, he tells us all this, this whole thing, and they, they want a judgment against him. To whom I answer, uh, oh, it's not, I read that. Therefore, when they were come thither without any delay on the morrow, I sat in the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth. Against whom, when they, uh, their accusers stood up, they brought none accusations of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition, of one Jesus which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Is that against the law, by the way? No, he's right. Jesus was dead and is alive. And by the way, is there any laws saying you can't believe in resurrection? Not that I know of. But he's like, they, they came and they, and I was thinking, you know, he, they're going to say uh, he uh, robbed them or this or, you know, and, and they were like talking about uh, resurrection and I, oy vey, I, I, had, I didn't know any of this stuff, you know. Uh, their own superstition, their own religious beliefs is the idea there. 
Because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. And when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, okay, that's the, um, when Paul finally gets to Rome, Augustus won't be the Caesar anymore. A man named Nero will. But at this point, he's um, appealing to Augustus. I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. Great pomp. You have fanfare, you have trumpets, you have, uh, you know, courtiers, you have, you know, the guy who barks out the, you know, King Agrippa, and then Agrippa, and, you know, Bernice, and there's music, and there's ceremony, and there's, you know, they have, they, you know, file down, and they sit in these special seats of judgment, and all this, and, and all this, because there's a lot of fanfare, and there's a lot of pomp. Why? Because you've got to understand, Felix and and uh, Agrippa, they're, they're, these are super powerful, awesome people, right? They're a footnote in history. The, the important people in this situation is Paul the Apostle. And the only reason they even mentioned at all, the only reason you, you've never would have heard of them, and the, probably, and the only reason you've ever heard of them is because they brushed up against the Apostle Paul. They're a footnote in the story of Paul. We always get it wrong. We think these people are real awesome, important. These are incredible people. They're encrusted with virtue and with power. We, we act like in, in Maine better than most places, okay? Maine is kind of cool. You get a celebrity here, like Summers here and stuff like that. We see him, we're like, yeah, that's, uh, you know, such and such a guy. He's, yeah, he vacations over here. And we're, we're very cool about that. Why? Because we're from Maine. And we're like totally cool people. Uh, and when people act like, you know, politicians do this when they're around celebrities. And celebrities do this when they're around politicians. They act like groupies in each other's presence. It's pathetic. <laughs> it makes me just throw up in my mouth. Uh, when, when you're a celebrity, does, do we care about what you think about morality and politics? And I, I don't care if you're on my team. I don't care if you're saying the same. I don't care. I, you, you, Shut up and sing, shut up and act, do your thing on this big screen, and we'll, if we like the movie, if we think you're a great actor, we'll come see you, okay? Uh, th that doesn't mean you can speak into our lives. Now, politicians do that because they're politicians, because they run on issues and stuff like that, and they speak to the issues. And it's almost like, yeah, okay, you're a politician, yeah, we get it, you know. Not, if, I, if, and if, if I like what you say, if I agree with you, I'll vote for you. If not, I won't. That's how it works. And, and that's okay. But I, I just don't understand why celebrities think that they owe us their opinion. <laughs> they don't. They so don't. Uh, and, and, and when we think people, you know, they rise to a certain level of fame, we think they're like somehow more virtuous or more... You know, it, it's kind of funny, like even in politics, right? We, we raise up people from among us to represent us. And when you're in politics, that doesn't mean you're all of a sudden you're virtuous. You were us. <laughs> you're just like us. With the same foibles, the same temptations, the same. So we made you, now you're in the legislature or you're in the you know, Congress or, or the Senate or something like this. Now all of a sudden you're, what, wise and not necessarily. Um, 
pomp. And I, I, just, I just look at this, and I, in my mind's eye, I'm viewing all this, and I'm thinking, you know, you're really, you're really important people because you've got all this fanfare, you've got all these servants, you've got all these people waiting on you, the attendants and everything else. You're ridiculous. You're nothing. And Paul is something. But he's got chains on. Who's, who's the star of this show according to heaven? You know, it, it's just funny to me because we, we generally get it wrong. We generally think, we, we, just, we just don't think it all the way through. So Paul's brought forth. And nobody, there's no fanfare for Paul. Are there trumpets blaring when Paul walks in? There aren't. Is there any pomp? No. He's the prisoner, right? He's, I, I have an idea there was fanfare when he died and went to heaven. When Stephen died, um, Jesus stood up. We're told that in Scripture. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He stood when his, the first martyr was coming to heaven. Jesus gave him a standing ovation in my way of thinking about it. You think the angels were paying attention to this? Their creator rose from his throne, looks over the whatever it is, the edge of heaven, looking down at Stephen. Was there applause? Was there fanfare? I don't know. I like to think so. The Bible says that the death of his saints is precious in his sight. It's not that he's uninvolved or doesn't care or doesn't know. You, you should shake your head and the idea falls right out. Let's keep going. Great pomp, right? Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, by the way, case dismissed. Where's your gavel? <laughs> I, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Uh, uh, you, you know, you read about the trial of Jesus Christ uh, before Pilate. I find nothing wrong with this man. Uh, I, fi I find nothing wrong with him. I find nothing wrong with him. Take him and crucify him. Wait, what? In, in what world is that okay? Okay, he's not a Ro Jesus wasn't a Roman citizen. In the sense, I, get, I get that. He didn't have rights like Paul has. But still, guilty is guilty, innocent is innocent. Punishing innocent people is immoral. You don't understand that. I don't care if you're a mom and a dad. That, that's wrong. We don't punish innocents, right? Now, when your kid's done something wrong, you say, well, we're going to bring this to bear. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm not against that. But being punished for something you didn't do is immoral on the face of it. Here, he says as much, I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and he himself, but that he himself hath appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him. He still could have released him. Of whom I have no certain things to write unto my Lord. I, I, so you're going to send him to Caesar, and you're going to write, okay, this is what he's been charged with, that he appealed to. But he, what's he going to write? Uh, yeah, this guy was charged with believing this Jesus guy rose from the dead. Like, Augustus wants to read that. So hopefully they're going to ascertain some stuff why he, when he's going to Caesar. And by the way, probably the Gospel of Luke and probably the book of Acts are the legal documents that accompanied Paul to Rome. So how do you believe it? Luke was with him the whole time. You know, the, the, the style of Luke. You know, every time Luke talks about a, uh, a centurion, they're heroic. Maybe they're heroic people anyway. But Luke doesn't really try to put Roman people in bad light. <laughs> Maybe because these documents are going to be reviewed by Augustus himself. Who knows? That's the, that's the tradition. I kind of lean towards that myself. 
Wherefore I have brought him forth before you, and especially before you, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have something to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes laid up against him. Yeah, we think that's unreasonable too. Chapter 26, and going two chapters, this is crazy. Hang on, this is good, it's good stuff. And see, it kind of reads like a narrative. We don't have to stop and discuss every part of every phrase. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth a hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereby I am accused of the Jews. Especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Hey, I understand you're up on all these things, is what he's saying. Is he stroking his ego? I don't think so. I think he's just saying the true deal. Will Agrippa know about Christianity? Of course Agrippa would know about Christianity. His dad is the one uh, who beheaded James. He would know about Christianity. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest sense of the religion, I lived a Pharisee. We always put Pharisees in a very bad light for their hypocrisy. Uh, being a Pharisee meant that you were very, very strict. The Sadducees were the ones who were kind of more loose in their theology and their lifestyle because if your, philosophy, if your theology isn't what it's supposed to be, your life is not what it's supposed to be. If you don't believe what the Bible says, good luck on living a solid life. I've never seen it yet. Listen, I'm 59 years old. I've never seen it yet. Um, atheists say to me, you know, you can be a good moral atheist. Yeah, I suppose. I've just never seen it. I, and I haven't. I'm not a strict judge either. I'm kind of like really, you know, People tell me about, does what you believe matter? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. What you believe, it, 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 it plays itself out in how you, how you live every time. Now I stand and judge for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly, serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Uh, basically, I am, I'm here defending myself because I believe the Bible. And by the way, when you get right down to it, that's correct. That's correct. Paul's not writing new things as far as, you know, the Bible says this about the Old Testament. He's got the correct interpretation of it. They don't. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should raise the dead? Um, I can show you, and I have in the past, we've talked, you know, Resurrection Sunday, which by the way is in two weeks. I've taken whole, you know, Easter Sunday services and I've talked about the resurrection in the Old Testament and never even brought into the New Testament in typological ways and in, in ways that, you know, the scripture clearly says. Again, back to Israel. Why don't they believe in the Messiah? They should, and they should believe in it based on, you know, uh, Isaiah 53. You know, he, at the end of Isaiah 53, God extends the days of the Messiah. He, 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 he obviously dies. He's cut off out of the land of the living, yet he's still in front of the congregation at the end of it. And it, it presupposes resurrection. That one's a little bit more murky than some, but some are crystal clear. Some are obvious. And uh, in, in such and such a way that you could, you could teach on the resurrection for a month of Sundays 
maybe a year of Sundays and never even get into the New Testament. And Paul got the correct interpretation. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Boy, he did. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Now he's going to talk about his conversion experience. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven about the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, isn't that interesting? Jesus can speak your language. Well, Jesus always would be able to speak Hebrew, you think. He doesn't speak Hebrew to me. It wouldn't be beneficial. I don't understand it. And when I say God speaks to me, understand this. I, I probably mean it like you mean it. Has I ever heard, have I audibly heard the voice of God in my life? I have not. I know people who claim to, and I won't gainsay them. Can God do that? I believe he can. Has he done it in some people's lives? I believe he might have. I can't verify it, and I can't, I can't deny it, and I can't aver it. I, I can't, but I don't gainsay generally if that's what somebody tells me. Okay, fair enough. When God impresses something on me, and I always say, will say something like, you know, God told me, and I use that like, God, he impresses things on my heart. You know, when I articulate them, you notice how I use phraseology that I would use? <laughs> you think God talks like that? And he has that weird accent from, like he's from Boston? No, I supply that. I don't know how to talk with a different accent. But I use words because he has these impressions. And I don't know that I actually hear, like in my head, words that, I, I give the impressions words, all right? But the fact that he would speak to me in English or he would speak to you in your native tongue, that doesn't surprise me. God can, he, he knows all the languages. I mean, it's not like that would be surprising. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. So he's, but he's telling him. Hey, I was there, he spoke to me in Hebrew and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks, the ox goads the, that you prick an animal with, the, poke him to get him to move, right? It's an ox goat. And that's what Jesus said to him. It's, it's hard to kick against that ox goat, isn't it? You think of an ox being poked and he's kicking against that. All he's doing is making a bloody mess of himself. He's still going to end up going where he's supposed to be going. And this is how God used Paul. He's poking at him with like, you know, Stephen's testimony and his own, his, the witness of, of scripture, his own, you know, intellect. Um, and God has been poking him along like he does to you and like he does to me. Why do we fight against it? It's just a bloody mess. It's, we're going to end up doing what he wants anyway. It's, it's wasted effort trying to push back against God. Why would we do that? He's our loving Heavenly Father. Why do, why do we think that we know better than God knows about a situation? How come we're just... I, I think sometimes like... And, and okay, I can point the finger at you. I got three pointing back at me and I'm probably three times as guilty. God's trying to corral me and move me into something, and I'm, and I'm pushing back. Like, wh why do we do like that? It's just it's insane. And then we finally give in. You know, I'll show you that this will never work. And of course it works because he's God. And then we're doing us, why didn't I do this a lot earlier? Why am I fighting against him? Why do I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a perverted, sinful, sinister nature. 
It's hard for you to kick against the goads. I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, he knew the answer before he asked the question. I have to believe, right? He said, who art thou, Lord, master, with the idea of like God, Lord? I'm sure in my own mind, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I'm, I bet, I'll bet you anything. He knew the answer to that question. Cause why? Because he was, he was trying to go against his conscience. God had been goading him into these things, and I, I, he knew better. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. I've got stuff for you now, and I'll, sh- I'll, I'll show up, and I'll tell you the later stuff. <clears throat> Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, and unto whom now I send thee. They didn't like that word Gentiles any more than when he's on the steps of the Antonio uh, Fortress. But they couldn't say a lot of things because guess what? They're in a Gentile court, right? And so Paul's just faithfully telling what happened. Uh, he, He says, I'm sending you to Gentiles to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is by me. A lot of stuff there. How many of you liked God's program for Saul? Any Gentiles in the room besides me? Yeah, a couple, right? Hey, thanks, Lord. You didn't have to. You didn't have to invite us to the party. You didn't have to do anything for me. I was on the outside looking in. Why did you? Why did you rescue me? Why did you send Jesus to die for my sins? I, I don't understand any of it. I love it. I'm really good with it. I'm not second-guessing God. I don't really think you should have done that. I'm kind of happy that he did. Um, look at what, what, what he's done. To open their eyes, me, and turn them from darkness to light, me, and from the power of Satan unto God. I told you, Satan's not my master anymore. I don't obey him. He's, to- he's still kill, destroy boy. He's not trying to make my life better. He's trying to ruin it. I don't listen. Sorry, not interested he delivered me from the power of Satan to the power of God. Awesome. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. I like that. People say, hey, you were this, you were this. You know, when you were the, back when you were a kid, you did this and you did this and you did this. You know my answer? You don't know the half of it. You're ridiculous. I was that and more. And every last thing I've ever done is under the blood Forgiven, dismissed out of God's president, out of his presence. Your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. Oh, you can still remember them. You can still hold them against me. But God says, yeah, I don't, I'm not, whatever. I'm not into that. I'm not, I'm not scoring that against them. I did all that and more. You have no idea. If, I think sometimes if you knew who it was who was preaching, you'd all get up and walk out en masse, and I wouldn't even be able to blame you. Uh, God is awesome. He is a forgiving God. He is a, he, he's, he, he brought Paul to the Gentiles to teach him all these things that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. I say we're part of God's forever family. I'm going to inherit with Jesus Christ. What does Jesus have? All that there is. What are you going to have? Everything. Blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the world, inherit the earth. I like that. That's a good program, God. You keep that up. You're doing good. You're doing good by me. 
inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Sanctified, set apart for a holy purpose. How does that happen? By faith. Is it what you, how you behave? No, it's what you believe. It's by faith. Salvation is by faith. Paul, thank you for that clear message. Good testimony. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. It's good. God gives you a vision or uh, marching orders. Do the last thing he told you and, st- and don't do anything else until he tells you, okay, stop for this season, now do this. That's so many of you kids are at your crossroads. You're, we have like four or five graduates in here, high school. At that crossroad place, it's Kadesh Barnea all over again. I'll develop that some other time. And people are asking all the time, what are you going to do? 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 Uh, the next thing God wants me to do is the right answer. Or I'm still praying about it and, he, and God hasn't impressed on my heart yet. That's the right answer. You say, and if you say, well, I'm going to this, I'm going to do this, I'm go-, then hopefully it's what God has directed your heart. And I'm also going to second guess that, okay? I'm your pastor. I'm not your guidance counselor. Do you think a spiritual guidance counselor? Listen, bother to check with headquarters. You're bought with a price. Will he set you on a disagreeable course for the rest of your life? I, don't, I think not. He who knows you better than anybody knows you, he wants to bless you. You're not at cross purposes with him. I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Showed first unto them at, of Damascus and at Jerusalem through all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles. They should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. That was his message all over the empire. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. So I was back home, I was in the temple, and now they're trying to kill me. Basically because I told Gentile people they should repent. That's not really worthy of a death sentence, is it? In the minds of some, it is. And we talked about this several weeks ago. Why? Racism. It doesn't give me any joy to say that that was the issue. That's why after two years, they still hate him. Good old-fashioned racism. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and to great, saying none of these things, none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Did Moses and the prophets say that this should come? Yeah. We we go over it in painful detail uh, Sundays and Wednesday nights. Moses and the prophets and what they say. Last week we had an excellent time Sunday night talking about how priests are made priests. Remember? Uh, the, the sacrifice, the blood, is pl- a place to their, the tip of their right ear, their right thumb, their, the big toe on their right foot, and what that all meant. And if you have a question about that, you should get that recording. Except I'm not exactly sure it got recorded. <laughs> I think I messed up in the recording. So you had to be here or you missed it. And then the oil, would, they would be uh, anointed with oil on the tip of their right ear, on the tip of their right thumb, on the tip of the, their big toe on their right foot. What is that all about? Oh, that's, that spoke volumes to us. I, I, had, I thought it was one of my best teachings ever. Not because I was awesome, because the, the material, it was so, where we live, it was so beneficial. I thought it was such a blessing. I, I've only been saying what Moses and the prophet said, that Christ should suffer and he should be the first that should rise from the dead, the first fruits of them that slept, right? Uh, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Paul, you're crazy. Beside thyself, literally, he is like double Paul. He's, what's that, schizophrenia, he was saying. You're schizophrenic. You're crazy. 
But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. People think we're crazy. We're the only sane ones in the bunch. Um, eternity will prove out who is crazy and who is ra rational. And if people think I'm crazy now, that's fine if the crazy people think I'm crazy. The people going to hell, you know, judging me, <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. I, I, I don't get too worked up about that. Neither should you, right? It's kind of painful sometimes to be rejected by people, but in the end result, God's saying, no, no, you're the rational one. You're the, you're the one who sees things as they really are. You, you, uh, you, you, all this learning doth make thee mad. I, I, I'm not crazy, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. So he's making reference to Agrippa there. That king, he knows these things. You can ask him. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner, because that's how God has ordained it. We can't be closet Christians. It's all out in the open whether we try to keep it under wraps or not. And he says, Agrippa knows all this stuff. It's all been done out in the open. Because God's an open God. We're not, we're not some secret society, secret handshakes behind closed doors. All our stuff is broadcast. It's, it's, it's available. We write books. We, we, we're on the internet. We, we record our... Nothing's hidden, okay? Nothing's behind doors. Nothing's closed. And he's saying, yeah. And then he goes on. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Hey, you believe the prophets, don't you, King Agrippa? I know you do. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Big, big verse. I think literally he's saying, You think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? This whole hymn's written about this verse. Um, I think the answer is, Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the effect that the Word of God has on people. Salvation eternal life. That's the effect it had on me. I wasn't looking for salvation. I was just, you know, fat, dumb, and happy sending up a storm, and someone came and shared the gospel with me, and I don't know, after I realized I was sinking, and somebody threw me a life preserver, grab it like a rabbit. What are you waiting for? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think so, Agrippa. I think that's the way it works out. Almost thou persuadest me to, be, me to be a Christian. Is this a sarcasm? I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't know the tone of voice. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me, to this, hear me this day were both almost and all together, such as I am, except these bonds. Yeah, I wish you were like me. Oh, I desperately want that. I want for you the eternal life that I enjoy. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to share. Uh, okay, my piece of the pie, if we get more inheritors, is smaller. Right? Who cares? Come on in. The water's fine. Let's all go to heaven together. That's my, my way of looking at it, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. I think that the, hearing the Word of God has that effect. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and makes it alive in the heart of the, the sinner and takes them from, from sinner to saint. From ink to saint, from in the darkness to in the light, to, and delivers us from the power of God to His eternal kingdom. All those things that were said in red, if you've got a red-letter Bible back in 
Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles and whom now I send thee to open their eyes to turn from darkness to life from the power of Satan to God they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is, upon, that is in me. Listen, where's, where's Festus today? Where's Agrippa today? Where's Paul today? I rest my case. I mean, it's, you think, Adam, Really? Oh, definitely, definitely. They, all the pomp, all the ceremony, the celebration of fame, it's all vanity. It's, there's nothing to it. Paul, uh, he guy was beaten. Guy was like severely, you know, he was stoned. Not with marijuana, with stones. That'll leave a mark. Is he... Does he get all knots on his head today? Does he like wake up and from sleep and take a few aspirin? And he's more alive than he ever was. He wrote the book on resurrection, literally, 1 Corinthians 15. And he's, he's, he, he gets it. He totally gets it. I'm just, oh, let's keep going. I wish you were exactly like me. All of you, all, of, all the courtiers, all the people with the, with the big fancy trumpets. Oh, I wish you were exactly like me. Well, except for these bonds. The freest man there is the one who's in bonds. That's just remarkable to me. You know, um, I have a friend of mine who always quotes um, Jesus when he said, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's so wrong. He's so wrong. He so misquotes that. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What's freedom? Servitude to Jesus Christ. And then we're not serving sin, and we're not serving the flesh. Yeah, I wish you were exactly like me, except for these bonds. When he had spoken, the king rose up, and the governor and Bernice, and they that sat with him. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Hey, can I just add, duh. I mean, we knew that. Weeks ago, you're just learning it now, huh? Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And he might have had to go back to Jerusalem too. We know how you play the game. And by the way, he exerted his rights and it was right in accord with where Jesus was taking him. Jesus says, I've got a testimony to the big, the big kahuna down there. He thinks he's something. I'm going to bring this little man with, these, with this big heart and this incredible message. And that, we'll have to wait till next week. Let's stand. The band's going to send us out of here in song. Lord, we, Father, we thank you for this word. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we have determined to stand fast and not to be entangled in a yoke of bondage. We like being free. And freedom, Lord, as we've defined it, is service to you. So help us, Lord, as we get our hearts right in these next few weeks to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Lord. We would you know, think much about these things. We would share the gospel. We would be bolder than we've ever been. Lord, just light a fire under us. Give us the people that need to hear your message and and bring them to us, Lord, and help us to be faithful to our heavenly vision. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. 
so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love.